ladies and gentlemen, this is It's All Good, Man, The Better. Better Call Saul Podcast. My name is Brian. And with me, as always, is my homeboy Dave. Dave, how's it going this evening as doing, we record this? Like late this evening. Yeah, it's, kind of a late one tonight, but I'm doing pretty well. Excited to get season four underway. <laughs> Absolutely. I like how we're in such close quarters because it almost makes us awkward. Almost. Almost. We're usually about 40 miles apart. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now we're like four feet. Right. Exactly. Uh, we we could probably play footsie if you like. We I could, have like one of these like giant beanbags. Like inside that beanbag, there's actually like a queen size mattress somehow. Really? Yeah, we should like unfold it. Maybe we could cuddle. Mm. It, it could be like a cuddle cast. I'm afraid your dog would get in the way. Yeah. If you guys hear this weird like uh, noise in the background, it says. Uh, if you hear the pitter paddle of little feet. Yes, it is. It is the dog. My dog. But this is. Uh, Season four, a better call saw, long time coming. Like fuck, man. Like what was it? Like a year and a half? Yeah, I actually kind of feel rusty, and I have forgotten quite a few things. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's uh, that's the funny thing about it when it takes so long is is you're all amped for it, and then you you watch it, and you're like, well, what's what's the context of right of what they're uh, of what's happening? Yeah, like where did they leave off? I mean, I think everybody remembers. The last thing that happened, mm-hmm. but there was a lot leading up to it that I kind of forgot it even happened. Well, that's okay. That's why we're here. And those of you out there, if you'd like to, uh, as always, please feel free to participate throughout the season. You can hit us up at ISGM Podcast on Twitter. You can mm-hmm. also uh, mail us at uh, or email us. <laughs> I guess you can send a letter. I guess if you really want to be snail mail us, if you want. Yeah, to. you can also uh, email us at host at nothingimportantpodcast dot com. That'll come directly to us and uh i i don't know i'm pretty i'm pretty excited about that because i feel like it's been so long it, it kind of gives us something to look forward to dave kind of kind of kind of kind of there was a lot of impatience to go along with this though there was yes i was getting very impatient right and it, so impatient i cannot even think of synonyms right and what's funny about it is usually in past seasons we would get kind of like a heads up mm-hmm about what was going on. So but, but this year, usually we get like some sort of heads up email or like press, because uh, there's two different websites. There's the one where we get the screeners and then there's mm-hmm. the official press. And uh, I didn't see any press for it. And, and just out of nowhere, people were talking about like August 6th, Better Call Saul. Like they right. dropped it. They dropped it. Because they were thinking September. Yeah. I think that's what uh, PFAB told us. Yeah. In our last interview with him, yeah. And I guess they just started announcing it out of nowhere. So I emailed our reps, and I was like, hey, is this happening in August? Because now it's early July, and I usually get stuff by now. Did Are, are we no longer part of the press? And they're like, no, I, I, absolutely. So that leads me to believe that uh, maybe something big is going to happen during this season. Where? Oh, really? Like Kim dies? <laughs> <laughs> Of course, the classic prediction that always happens. I'm going to ride that one to the end. But you know what I mean? Like, like why why the sudden drop? Unless, yeah. unless they're just rushing it out, which might be absolutely possible. You maybe, know? They, maybe they felt the pulse of their audience who was getting impatient, and they're like, you know what? It's been dragged down long enough, and they... Because I think even Patrick Fabian said they might be a little ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. They, like, they pushed it back so far that, you know, when you go over the threshold, then anything earlier seems like a gift. Right. Yeah, absolutely. It's like when you're late for dinner or something and your wife's mad, so you just go ahead and like break the window on your way in. 
that way. She's not mad about dinner anymore. <laughs> I break the window? Yeah. You never done that before? Broke it? No. That was a really bad example. <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know, kick the dog on your way in or something. All right. And then, you know, well, you forgot about how mad you were about dinner. Well, I do kick dogs all the time. Right. Right. Well, I'm sorry. It's late. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but we are talking about episode 401 titled What, Dave? Smoke. That a boy. Because where there's smoke, there's fire. And where there's fire, there's a crispy chuck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Chuck steak <laughs> barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here we go. Um, let's mm. just, uh, of course, you know, true to tradition, the episode starts where we get to pick up uh, and see where Gene, what he's up to these days. What he's up to these days. That is these days. The rest of the show is those days, but Gene is these. Right. Days. It's funny as, as we were talking about, we were kind of rusty, and uh, I made a joke about how much older Bob Odenkirk looks. Right. And and I was like, wow, that's amazing that he's uh he looks, you know, twenty years older <laughs> back then. But then you had to remind me that Gene is current day, so I was yes. like, ah, well played. Yeah, Gene is like well two, that would be two thousand nine when the breaking bad end. Mm-hmm. Uh man, long ass time ago. Right. Right. Exactly. So uh it, it's been a while. But uh opening Gene, uh we catch up, he's on the floor. Uh you get to see that he works with uh Tiffany and Karina. Mm-hmm. At the Cinnabon. Yeah, actually, I went to back to episode 301 mm-hmm. to remind myself of what was happening with Gene. Yeah. And those name tags are, like, the attention to detail is so great. Like, the exact same spot they did it is the exact same mm-hmm. scene. And I also picked up, I don't know if we talked about before, the Kansas City Royals bag mm. that he used for lunch in that episode. Mm-hmm. That's where Kim's from. Nice. Where I think Kim dies. Oh, <laughs> of course. Lunch bags are one of the leading cause of death of... Uh, Female lawyers. Oh, no, it's just a little trinket to remind him of her at all right, times. Right, right, Because she's gone. I get you. Okay. I got Wink. it. Wink. I got it. I like how they focused on uh, the thinning hair of Gene as he was being pulled up on the stretcher. Right. I don't know why that struck me. I, I, I guess maybe just to show the age. Or does that mean that Saul wears a wig? Or maybe Bob Odenkirk's just going bald. Or maybe he plucks out all of his hairs to mm. make himself look older to disguise himself. Ah. So he's not recognized by people that are chasing that him down. Dedication. Yeah, well, dedication. he's on the lam. Yeah. <laughs> we we find out his last uh, Gene, quote unquote, his last name. Yeah, we do. Tekovic. Yeah, which is uh, which is Chechenian for on the lam, actually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um, so, like, uh, there's a. <laughs> so dumb. There's this, there's this whole scenario where. Um, Apparently, he's just okay. Yeah. Right? That's normal. You just pass out at work and wake up to paramedics and such. But apparently... Have you ever seen the movie Necessary Roughness? Dave, do you honestly think I've seen the movie Necessary Roughness? (laughs) That's what happened to the coach. He just passed out out of nowhere? We thought he was having a heart attack. It turned out to be indigestion, but then the other guy still plays it up like it's a heart attack to motivate the team. Mm, Okay. After he says, don't do that. Because it was not a big deal. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, he has uh, this whole issue where he has to pay on his way out of the hospital, or I guess claim it on uh, the insurance. And his it, okay, so the whole thing was his, his driver's license wasn't registered. Right, it wasn't. Right. The computer kept kicking it back. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. So the uh, receptionist, I guess her name was, gets his social security number, and it, was he winging that? 
I, I thought he was winging it. I thought he was kind of making it up. I, could, I couldn't tell if he was winging it or he was trying to remember what his social security number was supposed to be. And, and not, like, give the, the Jimmy McGill one. Mm-hmm. You know, like yeah. give his real one. Right, exactly. Yeah, because, I don't know, it made sense because we did look it up. The, the whole area is based on secure, social security numbers is mm-hmm. an actual thing. Yeah, and, okay, so, uh, yeah, so his social security number is 531 Mm-hmm. And, and she zero. says, oh, the the Pacific Northwest. Right. And I was like, do social security numbers work like that? But apparently they do. they do. That's right. I had no clue. Ours, having been born in the same state, have the same first number. What's what's your social security number again? It's 347. <laughs> I don't even know if that has the correct amount of numbers. <laughs> um, that is my actual social security number. That's your actual social security <laughs> I'm gonna bleep it out. <laughs> <laughs> my my uh, whole issue throughout that whole scene is it's kind of tropey. Yeah, a little the whole, bit. Like, oh, I put in a zero or the letter O instead of a zero after the whole tense full, tense filled situation. Mm-hmm. But she didn't because when it shows up, a, when it shows a close up of the computer screen, uh huh, she didn't type a, an O. She typed. A zero. Because when you look at it, it looks like every other zero. Not in the social security number. Yes, it license. showed it. In it, the it, driver's it, license, she put the zero and not the letter. I mean, the letter, not the number. No. Well, e- either way. That's every, what was causing the issue. Because you said your driver's license isn't going through. I'm just saying, when it showed the computer screen, it showed all those numbers. And there was mm-hmm. no O instead of a zero. Unless they used the same character. For O's and zeros, but I, I don't I don't believe that's true. And is the O that close to the zero on a keypad? Yeah, it's right on top of it. Is it? Okay. Yeah, it really is. Like I thought that was legit. I did, I had no qualms. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just kind of tropey. Okay. But I think she really did make that mistake because I mean, who hasn't punched in O instead of zero? Okay. At some point. Gotcha. In poor, their life. And poor Gene, all he wants to do is leave. Man, he's got a cab waiting. Yeah. He should have Ubered. <laughs> <laughs> the cab of destiny, apparently. Right. Exactly. So, um, what, what did you think about that whole deal? That he, the cabbie, apparently, is from... For one, Albuquerque Isotopes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Simpsons. Right. That, oh, yeah, the, yeah. That That is how... I'm, you know, we're big Simpsons fans, and mm-hmm. that team... It's a real team. Yeah. The minor league baseball team, and it is named after the Simpsons. Which is why I'm such a big fan. Really? Yes. That's awesome. They named their minor league team after a joke in The Simpsons. <laughs> right, because it was at the Kansas City or the Capital City Isotopes? The Springfield Isotopes were moving to Albuquerque. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because occasionally you. I'll be quirky. Ah, gotcha. But, and then um, I was kind of hoping that the cabbie was Walter. Really? Yeah, I was really hoping that was like kind of some weird thing. But Yeah, but I'm, he's, glad, he's gone. I'm glad they didn't go that route, though. I, I will say, whoever played the uh, cab driver, a lot of emotion and stuff coming through on just, just the eyes. Yeah, just seeing like between the nose and the, the yeah. eyebrows and the reflection of so the rearview mirror. Let's speculate. Who do you think? What do you think is the deal with that? Uh, I don't think anything. Really, I think it's uh, what, what do they call that? Like a red heron, or like. But they've already had like. There's been red herrings. Like the very first episode, the very first scene was one of those where he thought the guy was approaching him. Right, but that's kind of like the overall theme is about how he's right. trying to hide, basically in plain sight, and he has this overarching paranoia that it at is. any given moment, somebody could be 
could recognize him, right? right because yeah. presumably Saul would be a pretty famous criminal. Right. Right? Well, He'd I... would probably be a wanted man. Oh, totally. He's totally wanted because he's so, in connection with like the biggest drug dealer in Albuquerque you know, from that time. Right. And the way that it was filmed and set up, it totally makes it seem like, you know, perhaps this guy from Albuquerque is, uh, you know, recognizes him because, you know, Saul would be a pretty famous face with all of his commercials right. and such. Well, I thought I personally thought one of two things and I can't decide which one I like better. Mm-hmm. And one is. He was involved in a case with Saul. Okay. Maybe he lost a case to Saul or something, and that's why he sucks up driving some shitty cab in Omaha. Uh-huh. Or he's totally a hitman. You but if he was a if he was a hitman. I guess the cab would have been from Albuquerque, huh? Well, how would you know to pick him up? It's a hitman. Or you think he's just tailing him the entire time? Because cabs are sent through scanners and uh-huh. radios. They could have intercepted a call or something. You can, that's a it's very elaborate, but it's totally possible. Mm. That's what hitmen do. It's like process servers. Is trail. Yeah, they have disguises. And, you know, I mean, Saul's wanted by a lot of people. Yeah. Right? So I figured that maybe he's there to take him out. Mm. I like I like to think that uh, nothing, nothing is going to happen. So you say nothing's going to happen. Because I'm going to go one step farther. And I'm going to say... Let's say if season five is the last season. Mm-hmm. That cabbie gets out and like murders Saul or something. <laughs> oh, all right. Because if the scene extends, it, it you know ended. The cab was still sitting there, mm-hmm. and he's hiding around the corner, huffing and puffing, you know, breathing out the sigh of relief or whatever. But I don't think that scene's over. I think something's going to happen with that cab driver. Mm-hmm. See, they set you up by all the red herrings before. Ah, and now it's going to. And be this is going to be the one. Yeah, buddy. All right. Well, I'm going to go with nothing happens. All right. <laughs> but maybe he'll still die. Like, nothing will happen, but he'll get, like, uh, hit by a car or something. Maybe that triggers whatever he's in the hospital for and he passes out again. There you go. Maybe. Maybe he's got lung cancer. Maybe. And then what Walter had? Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. Circle of life. And then he's going to turn to make a meth and a... <laughs> <laughs> like they reboot Breaking Bad with... Breaking Saul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, opening Statue of Liberty, of course. Does that coincide with the past three seasons? I so, here's, so here's what I did. This is I've been dying to get to this part. Okay. I was watching the preview on my computer. Okay. I had pulled up episode 301 to follow up with Gene to go back. Mm-hmm. I played both intros at the same time. Yeah. 401 and 301. Uh-huh. There is more black and white in 401. Mm-hmm. It blinks two more times. Black and white. Hmm. So probably what's going to happen is because Gene's whole thing has been black and white. So whenever they decide to like finish his tale, all the openings will probably just be black and white to show that it's like Gene's could be story. All right, we're in the apartment. Kim and Jimmy are uh, are snoozing. So the whole Ember effect at the beginning. Yes. So I was totally like, oh, so we're inside Chuck's house. That's what I thought at first too. Because mm-hmm. Mesa Verde, that's the case. Right. Chuck lost to Kim. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And and it turns out we're actually in there, Jimmy and Kim's apartment. It's just a very elaborate star wipe. Yeah, exactly. Because because then I was also like, um, our uh, is there a house on fire now too? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was, and I was I had the thought I was like, so what if like you know Chuck's insensitivity burned down like his whole neighborhood? 
Oh my god! Fire spreads. Like yeah, he just uh, yeah. But no, it's just. Do they even live in the same neighborhood? I don't even think. No, they live, they're right. They're like way far away, right? Yeah. No, yeah, I wasn't so. thinking it was Jimmy's place, but awesome. it was just a cool way to just you know to just segue over mm-hmm. to to Jimmy and Kim. Yeah, sleeping. cool cinematography, but it was. That's what they. That's what they do. Yeah, it, but like in that in that context, it, it just seems a little weird, right? It was a little odd. Unless it's some sort of symbolism that I didn't pick up on. <laughs> it symbolizes uh, Chuck being burnt. <laughs> well, like Chuck's problems are now Jimmy's problems. Mm-hmm. You know, like okay. The passing of something. Mm-hmm. Or Chuck's ghost. Okay. <laughs> gotcha. All right. I like how uh, like how they had a, a an answer machine. I kind of forgot those existed up until this scene. Um. Oh, well, yeah. That's because this was back before prior to Breaking mm-hmm. Bad. Yeah, well, I want to get to one thing about, well, first, Jimmy feeds the fish and makes coffee, mm-hmm. which he also does in the last scene, so it must be like a Pavlovian response mechanism, like when he feeds the fish, he has to make coffee. Mm-hmm. And uh, the cereal part is completely unrealistic. The cereal part. Who the hell brings the milk to the table with them after they pour the cereal, and then just, like, you know, pours it into the bowl and then sets the carton back down? I kind of do, do that. that. Yeah. Well, your milk goes bad, bro. Bro, put that shit back in the fridge, man. Come on. <laughs> So do you do you We've pour already had a, a milk issue with a with one of our fans from season one. So so do you pour cereal and then take it to the fridge and then pour the milk? I, I well I have a kitchen. I have a small kitchen, so I pour the cereal in the bowl, mm-hmm. I get the gallon out of the fridge, pour it in the bowl, and put it back in the fridge. Oh. I don't bring the milk the bowl of cereal and the gallon to my table and then pour the milk in. Oh. I, they must I, not really not want soggy cereal then, I guess. Oh. Well what what I typically do is just pour the bowl of cereal and then pour the milk and then it'll probably sit there because it'll probably have another <laughs> bowl of cereal. <laughs> I did get up and make myself a bowl of cereal while that scene was playing, though. Oh, what kind of cereal? <laughs> I mixed life with Lucky Charms. Nice. Lucky life. Lucky life. Nice. That's right. Classic. Classic Dave. Classic Dave. <laughs> I like how they did say um, Hamlin informs... Well, eventually he gets he gets the word to Jimmy that that Chuck is dead and such, and Jimmy races there. Why why does Hamlin stop him when he's walking up to the house? Right, well, like he, he stops like Jimmy's him. like marching up, and, he, and, and I, Howard's I thought, like uh, Jimmy, don't. I thought he was stopping Jimmy from rushing the coroner's wagon with Chuck's body in it. Okay, like you don't need to see this. Gross. Yeah, like you 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 probably can't handle it. Kind of a thing. Okay. Good looking out, Howard. Good looking yeah. out. Well, you know, he's he's in it for uh for everybody else, mm-hmm. you know. Not not a not as much of a, a jerk as he is portrayed to be. Also, we've talked about that at length. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Heart of gold. Mm-hmm. <laughs> heart of gold. Golden <laughs> golden locks and a heart of gold. <laughs> he's just so dreamy. Patrick uh, Fabian. He is the man. Yeah, who I actually texted while we were watching. That's it. right. We were texting with a PFAB while we were watching episode four four oh one. So he'll he'll probably chat with us soon, but um, he appreciates everybody listening and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, next scene, we we see Mike in the booth on his last. Oh, we you skipped over something very important. All right, bring it up. That Jimmy knows it's a relapse. That Jimmy sees yes. through it. He's staring at the transformer, mm-hmm. and he's like, "All the electronic stuff was in the backyard." Mm-hmm. So this is definitely a relapse. He 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 knows he does. I don't know if he knows that it wasn't an accident, but he knows that Chuck's re- Chuck's relapse caused him to start using the can- the lantern and you know 
right. fire to light things, which can turn deadly, as Chuck knows very well. And he was listening to jazz music. Yeah, and if I had to listen to jazz music for five days, I'd probably kill myself. <laughs> Great. Not a fan of jazz? No. No. Okay. Speaking of music, if you're in the Chicago area, <laughs> October 13th, Dave and I's band is going to play for the first time in like 11 years. Oh, my Lord. Yes, that It'll is a terrible. true statement. Uh, and that's true, by the way. So we'll probably talk about that more <laughs> in upcoming episodes. Um, now, can we go to Mike in the booth? Now we can go to Mike. Well, after we, yeah. No, go ahead. He died of smoke inhalation. I wrote that down, so I wanted yeah, to say it. He didn't suffer. I don't want to write things down for nothing. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so he didn't suffer, right? Because that's I the think deal. You suffer tremendously when you asphyxiate. I, I think what they were getting at there, because they make it a point to mention that, is that. Well, I, I think it's I mean, more about Jimmy's response. But do you, where he's like, do that's you what they asphyxiate all say. in that circumstance, or do you pass out and then it just kind of overcomes you, and then you're, you know, I don't know. They say drowning is the best high you could ever have in your life. What's that like, Brian? Well, it's not awesome. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. It's not. Of all the fun things I've done in my life, drowning is probably like in the bottom twelve, <laughs> bottom twelve fun things I've ever done in my life. Traumatic. Thanks for bringing it up. Smash cut to Mike in the toll booth. Yeah, so his last day at work. <laughs> and I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed how he walks up to uh, to is Kaylee, is the granddaughter, right? Mm-hmm. We celebrate his Kaylee. Okay. Yeah, and she's she's planting flowers. Yeah, using uh, Mike's improvised spike strip. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For a soaker hose, I guess I call it. Indeed. Yeah, he, uh, he steps on it though. Stops the water. Classic. Jerk. What a jerk. Yeah, classic. Classic tease the kid move. Yeah. Yes. And I I had actually forgotten that Mike got a job from season three. I had forgotten that. Up too. until he up until he opened the paycheck. And we looked at it and I'm pretty sure it said that he paid eight K in taxes. And so his his net bring home was ten K. Yeah, because if you make ten K a week, you're paying forty percent in taxes. Yeah. So I'd, li- I'd like to see why the hell it would even be worth it to him to go through all the stuff that we know he goes through in Breaking Bad. Money. Money? You're probably going to find out this season. This job probably doesn't last. I don't think he really knows what he's going to be doing. Yeah, I, I don't know. but I would have just kept my mouth shut. Nobody would have ever heard from me ever. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> wants to send me 10K split. checks. Even if, it's a monthly, <laughs> even if it's a monthly paycheck. Well, he knows he's going to have to earn it. Yeah, he's smart enough. He's wily enough to know that you don't just get 10k in checks for sitting on your rump. Yeah, well, I guess that's why he goes to the. I think he's the, trying to legitimize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in his own head, he wants to do. He wants to do some legitimate things and earn that money without nefarious circumstances. Okay, but those will be coming as we know. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And uh, I lost my place in my notes here. And he gets oh. a letter from Madrigal, and then he gets, he calls and gets the address. Yeah, man, that's old school when you can call information 411. Right. <laughs> and uh, it was like $1.75 back in the day to call information and get like. Was it? it? Yeah, wow. because it was, it was a service. It was a service you, you paid for yeah. piecemeal. Yeah, that led to a lot of rejections. That well, that's what stalkers do, Dave. Is <laughs> that's why they were rejections. Yep. <laughs> All 
Uh, we cut to Jimmy watching uh, watching water circle the drain, just like his life, man. His emotions. Just circling in that counterclockwise motion. Mm-hmm. Northern hemisphere and all. Right, yeah. You you were pretty pretty happy with that continuity of <laughs> yeah. of the show still taking place in the northern hemisphere. <laughs> right. Yeah, they didn't go to like, you know, New Zealand or something to, right. Uh, <laughs> right. to film it. Right. I'm somebody would have pointed that out eventually. That's probably why they didn't go with it. Right. That's the only reason they didn't go with that is because <laughs> they really they really wanted to film Actually it. I was kind of I kind of brought that to the to the beginning because they were showing mm-hmm. you know the water. Right. Uh, the all the unattended machines that were going on while uh Gene was passed out. Mm-hmm. I don't know for some reason they brought me back to that. Mm. Okay. Howard gives a call mm-hmm. and uh, decides to, I guess, dictate slash read the obituary that he wrote. Mm-hmm. Uh, longest obituary ever. Yeah, that's a really wordy obituary, right? Like every pretty impressive though. I mean, it's it's pretty he, impressive. Fourteen-year-old um, valedictorian, mm-hmm. leader of the de- de- the debate team to three championships. Nice. At like 17 years old because he went to college at 15, right? Oh, I didn't even put that together, you know? but that's right, yeah. The The thing about it, though, is uh, for all the accomplishments that were listed, um, Howard never once put anything in there about Spinal Tap. Yeah, that's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know, especially since they in one day they played a national tour of Canada. Right. Which is probably single-handedly the most impressive rock and roll feat in the history of man. <laughs> I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed how Jimmy puts the phone down um much like a uh like a henpucked husband there you go like a wife just keeps talking and talking and talking so you set the phone down and walk away Mm -hmm. yeah but he waited i was like he didn't he like right for one thing i noticed that howard didn't look at his paper once he started talking about yeah stuff he knew personally since they met right that was pretty cool yeah it was like almost like he was trying to um freewheel it but not only free it, but it was like almost in a way that he was like trying to speak to Jimmy directly. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like like in a roundabout way trying to tell Jimmy oh, what I didn't really what, pick up on that. Yeah. What Chuck like, meant to him. He you know? upheld the law. You know, he yeah. held the law in the highest regard. Like Right, you know, Jimmy it was it was do. it was almost like he was like airing his like trying to not really relate, but like in a weird way, like trying to like sympathize or empathize or like you know, like, this is what I know about your brother, and, like, he's not just some dude I worked with, you know? So, like, right. by him, like, freewheeling, he's putting so much thought into this, he's he's showing Jimmy that he cares. And, of course, Jimmy doesn't see him Which just... he reacts to by putting the damn phone down and walking away. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, uh, my notes here was, uh, it says, Jesus Christ, this is long fucking winded. <laughs> <laughs> my notes say, puts phone down. Mm-hmm. Mm. In depth, that's the kind of in depth an- analysis we are known for here on that's Inside right. Good Man. <laughs> uh, Kim's solution is just to do shots. Yeah, tequila. Was that 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 wasn't that the hundred dollar bottle or whatever of tequila? Yeah, like the aguave or, or yeah. yeah, whatever that the is. Good stuff. Yeah, that that bottle is uh like the most used Breaking Bad Easter egg in this universe. Mm-hmm. Apparently, everybody drinks that. So it's good stuff, man. Yeah, uh, it, my notes here. It must have been late when I watched this originally because my notes here are uh, shots, 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 shots. <laughs> Everybody shots. Everybody shots. <laughs> Mine was just takes a shot. Jimmy follows suit. She takes another one and passes out. Mm-hmm. Can't hold her liquor, that Kim Wexler. 
Well, she is on the hard drugs. Yeah, that's true. You yeah. know, if your arm, if your broken arm got switched in size of your body, then right? She's <laughs> totally out of context joke. So Brian's on this thing where he thinks every scene the arm that's broken is on the opposite side of her body. <laughs> <laughs> He's always like, "Oh, it's the right one this time." <sighs> Hector's on a stretcher. Well, that's exactly what I wrote down. <laughs> <laughs> Hector's on a stretcher. <laughs> it kind of rhymes. You know, it's a very stretcher-heavy episode if you it, think about it. That's right? well, they didn't show Chuck on the. But Gene was on a stretcher. Yeah, they all like all the main characters. It's uh, obviously uh, product placement from Big Stretcher <laughs> and the uh, stretcher lobby infiltrating all of our pop culture. <laughs> that joke was kind of a stretcher. <laughs> it's like you can't go anywhere nowadays without seeing a stretcher for one yeah. reason or another. And uh, yeah. <laughs> It's got to stop, really. I mean, right. I mean, it's influencing our children. It's influencing our behavioral patterns. You know, like, mm-hmm. stretchers are a big deal right I now. I think I have uh, PTSD. Both stretcher, traumatic, traumatic stretcher disorder. <laughs> <laughs> so one thing I didn't like about this is I, I thought it was out of character for Nacho to try to like dispose of the pills the way. Yeah, he that did. wasn't the greatest idea. I mean, I. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, unless he was like genuinely concerned that he would somehow be pat down, but maybe because I don't know. Maybe first off, because Gus looks suspicious, and he the way he like looked at him and before he took the phone call and made the phone call. Yeah, but I I guess my thing about that, well, I don't know. My my thing about that too is like he could play it off like he does pills. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like it it, just something about it seemed like really forced that all this shit is going down. Fabricate the tension, right? Which I, which I feel is pretty rare. But there's right? also, but you also get paranoid. Like if you realize that you're the one that caused the stroke or, or you know, caused him to not be able to stop the stroke with the pills, mm-hmm. then you're going to get paranoid because these are gangsters and they are going to want answers for things, I guess. So right. You kind of, his mind can get a little twisted. Because I thought he'd been like, I can't decide if he's been patient or not because he seemed to act on his plan very quickly. Right, but he went through all the effort to like practice throwing the pills and you know, right, right. and everything else. Well, he, so. he should have done the um, the whole "I got to tie my shoe" thing. Like he should have just st- stood on it and then yeah. like just done the whole "I got to tie my shoe" thing, like like right. Gene did when he looked back at the taxi. He could have just mm-hmm. dropped it down. Could have been a little slicker about it. You know, yeah, you know, I I'm not mad. I'm just I'm just disappointed. <laughs> I'm I'm not mad at Nacho. I'm just disappointed in his his execution of disposal of the evidence. Yeah, it was kind of, it was kind of weird. It was odd. Yeah, seemed kind of forced. It was odd. I it mean, odd. but then once yeah. again, you know, they have a highly successful TV show, and right? We don't, so and we, we don't. Mean, and I mean, but then you can't have the elaborate like Top Gun throwing the dog tags off of the ship mm-hmm. moment that he has with his pills, <laughs> right? <laughs> well, <laughs> Which he, ultimately leads to well, he kind of does because he because he can't dispose of them, and then well, I mean, that's it. what I'm saying. Like it's it's more of a. When that happens later, mm. it has more impact because he can finally get rid of them. Yeah. But then he also gets seen. Yep. Yep. But going back a few seconds. Let's talk it up to bed planning. Can I say sure. that when they were pulled, when him and Arturo were pulled into the room, mm-hmm. that was a much more impressive finger snap than Thanos? <laughs> like, yes. dude came in like a boss and just. Yeah. Time. But, I, I mean, Nacho got promoted, though. Right. So I don't think that's the promotion he wanted. (laughs) Well, here's a power vacuum that everybody's going to be after. You fill it. Mm -hmm. Exactly. (laughs) 
Well, you know, sometimes you just got to step up, right? Called the gang war, and Gus sees it coming. Mm-hmm. But my note on that is, Gus expects chaos. Mm-hmm. DEA, right? Hank. Ah, nice. We've been talking about Hank for like two seasons. I feel like. Well, it's because because uh, DEA DEA has been involved for two seasons. Yeah, and there's a history. There's a known history from Better Call Saul. Right. Yeah, because he's familiar with with Saul. Right. Yeah, but not Jimmy. Or. Does he know him as Jimmy? And that's why he gives him so much shit, because now he's Saul. Right, because he's like, quote-unquote, Saul. Right. Yeah, possible. I, what's that guy's name? Howard Dean or something? No, Howard Dean's a politician, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, right. But, I, I mean, I guess it would make sense, but I feel like every time we make predictions like that, it's always some other weird character from yeah. Breaking Bad appears. Maybe know? it'll be who's Hank's partner. Yeah. You know? Okay. Okay. Could be his wife. Could be. Could be. Purple? Right. Shoplifting? Shit. (laughs) That's another thing we haven't even talked about. Like, all these seasons, it just came to mind, is that, like, everybody in Breaking Bad had a color, Mm -hmm. and it was Mm well-known. And, like, have we got that far into Saul? Have we dug into that? I don't know. We might have. I haven't gone back and listened to, like, dozens of hours of audios of us bullshitting about a TV show. Kim is blue. Kim is blue. Okay. Um, so anyway, he throws the pills off the bridge, a la Tom Cruise and Top Gun. Mm-hmm. Goose's dog, dog tags. Right. And he is seen by Victor. Victor. Yeah. So again, I don't know. Something about this whole disposing of the pills just aggravates the shit out of me. How it's going to lead to some messed up things happening when it really probably shouldn't have because he could have been much smarter about the situation. Probably it, it just seems out of the pills. Like I said, it just seems out of character. It seems like he'd be more cunning than that. Yeah. Right, I mean, I, I mean, there's always the way he's been presented so far does seem kind of beneath him. Right, like, yeah, I mean, exactly. But he's yeah. just trying to protect his pops, mm-hmm. you know, for a situation he caused. Right, right. So I mean, like, I get it because that's the kind of bullshit I would try to pull off, and I would get everybody mm-hmm. that I know murdered. You know right. what I mean? But I, I think Nacho is like he's set up to be like so cunning and streetwise that the last thing he would try to do is. Like, I feel like for that character, if he made it through the scene where he was going to try to drop it down the grate that he was standing on, mm-hmm. you know, I feel like the last thing he would do is take a self-reflective walk on a on a bridge yeah, and then chuck the pills into the river. I, I feel like he'd be more like, well, I'm going to go take a piss at the 7-Eleven and dump it down the toilet. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. Like, I, I don't know. I mean. Of course, he doesn't know he's being tracked. Right. I don't know. Just something felt but cheap it's about so, it. it's so dramatic mm-hmm. but Nacho doesn't strike me as a drama queen I, I don't i don't even have the issue with him walking across the bridge and like looking down the river because as we talked about on uh a plumus among us the rick and morty podcast apparently people really do just like walk up to a window and look out into the distance yes right. Well, right. I, but i didn't see it as like he was stopping to reflect and then decided to throw the pills I saw it as like he went to the bridge to throw the pills in the water because if you're going to dispose like of that was that was the deliberate act Right, yeah. Well, even then, that seems out of, that seems like an unnecessarily complex way to get rid of the pills. I feel yeah. like he was going there to reflect, and it was one of those things where. But know, I have, like, I can where relate. Where he's like, oh, fucking pills didn't even kill Hector. You know what I mean? Right. And, no, and, I can relate, though, because growing up in a town with some bridges, mm-hmm. too, mm-hmm. I have walked to the bridge to throw things. Like into, pills? Well, You've walked to the bridge? What, what have you thrown off a bridge? Drugs. 
Shut the fuck up. No, it wasn't. I can't remember <laughs> what it was, but I definitely disposed of something uh, off of the bridge into the water because, you know, the, it's a river. little brother. It's going to blow it away. We don't we, talk about him. I know. We, we miss Timothy. We don't talk about Daniel. <laughs> we miss Daniel every day. <laughs> <laughs> almost, I don't know. That's, almost made it to three hours. But, I uh, mean, <laughs> <laughs> better luck next time, <laughs> Daniel. <laughs> So like I I mean I don't I don't mean to harp on it I'm just saying I I found that cheap yeah but it's it's definitely like even even in the opening scene with Gene where it was kind of tropey it was like okay I I get what they're trying to do but like this particular I think it's because if I may psychoanalyze you for a minute uh, feel free uh because you see that this whole thing's gonna lead to something a confrontation or something later mm-hmm. and they're forcing it to get there mm-hmm. which is the entire show. Mm-hmm. Is forcing right, things yeah. to get to, <laughs> right? But yeah, you, you think they could have been a little more like within care. You feel it's out of character to get to this ultimate confrontation that's ahead of them. Mm-hmm. Um, there could have been other ways that they can be pissed at Nacho, but to have him be seen disposing of things is kind of cheap. Right, right. I, I, yeah, I guess that's it. Like that, that's just this. It, it just seems like all like too convenient. Yeah, you know, I, like right. Yeah, because honestly, um, we had a list of spoilers, mm-hmm. and this airs after the episode, so I can say it now. And one of the spoilers was that Nacho was seen disposing of the pills, right? And I immediately thought, like, really? Yeah. When I saw the spoiler, I went, really? Like that's going to happen? So then, when I saw right. it in the show, then I was—I guess I was kind of already accepting it, but I was like, yeah. Eh. Right. So just to clarify what Dave is referencing, when we when we get the screeners for the show. Uh, it we we have like an embargo agreement. It says mm-hmm. like what we can and can't say uh, before a certain date. Well, the embargo's hundred percent. We weren't allowed to say anything before this, date. right? It, but and then, then like, we have a the, list, right? It has the list of before the episode airs, right? Yeah, it says like you know don't don't talk about like one two three four what whatever it is. And one of them was Nacho being seen disposing mm-hmm. uh, of the pills. And uh, I, I, I didn't give it a thought when I said, well, first off, it's funny because, like, it gives a list of spoilers we can't talk about, but, like, we get spoiled on it. Right. Which I guess is, like, the trade-off which for getting I, early. Once I saw that and I glanced, I stopped. And I was like, I don't want to read the spoilers. I don't want to. I, I feel like, is that the first year they did that? Did I think they so. Like, I, I feel like they didn't do that. Maybe they had a problem with that last year. Yeah. Maybe some people were spoiling some things or something. Yeah, maybe. I, I Yeah, I don't know. Okay, but the so fact I, that that was a spoiler in their eyes makes me believe that this is going to be a big thing mm-hmm. that's going to lead to something. It's more important than just... Like, maybe there'll be, like, some sort of context later on why he made those decisions, because, I, I mean, that makes, like... Like you felt the clock was ticking and you had to dispose of a mace app or something? Like yeah, that. you know what I mean? Like, like which is possible, you know? Right. Like I said, if he, if he thought that he was going to be pat down or something... Like that, why why rise to suspicion and then maybe you take the opportunity to like try to drop it down the grate, mm-hmm. right? It's a great but, idea. But it, to me, it just seems like really odd. Like, I'm going to go to this bridge and I'm just going to chuck this shit off there. And then, well, they do it in I all sure, the movies. I sure hope, I sure hope somebody didn't send somebody to spy on me while I'm doing it because, man, that would suck. Right? <laughs> or they have a tracker, you know, yeah. the show's all about Geo should have sponsored it. <laughs> <laughs> Tracker. It's eleven forty nine. That's a very almost midnight <laughs> joke. All right, here we go. We get to see Barry, new character Barry. That's right. He's a good father. Seems like it. Helps his son fix his bike. Yeah, that's not how I would fix the chain on a bike. No, 
Like, why would why did he turn the thing upside down? Usually, you just like loop it over the top and start pedaling like and then normal. You had to and pedal it like backwards a little bit, and then well, forward, right. But if know? the bike is upside down, then it's the same exact thing as just like reaching down. Oh, and because you, you have to turn the because you have to turn the chain, and that's going to spin the tire. So you want the tire to be free. So instead of holding the tire off the ground, you just flip it over. I guess when I was little, and the chain would come off, you just you just set it on top of the coaster gear mm-hmm. and start pedaling, and then it'll work its way through. Right. Normally. But- like why? Why even go through the trouble of turning them? Because if I'm going to put my son on a bike, I want to make sure the chain's all the way on. Which is the exact same result of the the method that I talk about. No, you'd have to pedal a little bit. The, the wheel's no, you just set the chain on the coaster thing, and then when you pedal anyway, it'll it'll connect it. They didn't have a coaster thing. The the sprockety thing that the chain with the teeth. The sprocket. Yeah, sprockly sprocklets. Sprockly sprockles. Because you, like I said, you have to turn the sprocket for the chain to get all the way on, mm-hmm. which is going to turn the wheel. Right. So you want the wheel to be free. But you don't have to turn the bike upside down to do that. No, or you'd have to lift the back end up. No. This guy's lazy. He's in his work clothes. He's so lazy. He's turning a bike upside down. It seems like it'd be like the lazy way out would be like just to put the chain. You, on. you ever try and hold a bike tire off the ground while you spin the? Yes, like five, with your hand. like five times today. It's, it's cumbersome. No, you don't do it with your hands. You just set the damn chain on the coaster, and then while it's <laughs> resting up there, you push with your foot, and then it does it naturally. There's no coaster. I don't even know what you're talking about. Have you ever rode a bike? Yeah. With a chain? Yes. You're what are you talking about? A ten speed or a BMX bike? What are What are the pedals connected to? A sprocket. Okay. So sprocket coaster whatever. No, I guess coaster brakes are like the bikes where you can pedal backwards and it hits the brake. Either way, wherever the pedals are and whatever that's connected to, whatever you want to call that, you can just set the chain on it and pedal normally, and the chain will wrap back on. Yes. Show over fucking Chavez. <laughs> Calmer than you are. Yeah. And, this is uh, like the worst episode. This is. Talk. Mike stole Mike stole Barry's we badge. lose so many listeners. <laughs> Everybody's all excited to hear us. And they're like, really? Yeah. This, anyway. This is what happened? You can cut this down if you want. It's been a year, folks. Yeah. All right. So, um... <laughs> uh, so um okay so when your car doesn't start do your lights flash okay i, I kind of thought that too right but like if you have a problem with your alternator doesn't doesn't it doesn't turn over but the lights will flash right i don't know because the bat because you'll see like the clock turn on in the car so i i think maybe yeah, Mike your, break your the, brake light doesn't flash when you turn your ignition on does it I don't know. I I'm usually not can't. standing behind my car. I was gonna when say I, turn I usually can't see the brake light from. But as far as I know, uh, my lights don't go on until the car is in gear. the The beauty of this whole scene is, as I was watching, I had no clue what the fuck was going on. Yes. Also, because, and I'm like also, looking through. I'm like trying to figure. out. I'm like, who the fuck is this who guy? Who is this guy? Yeah. Yeah. Because there's, I know there's people I don't remember. Right, and so I, like, I what, thought what it might be like I, I thought it might be like a flashback to like that was Chuck on the bike or something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, given the episode, you know, I thought it was like maybe you're going to get insight to their child. Like maybe that was their dad, you know, who, right. who owned who the owned convenience him, store yeah. and such. And he wore a suit and tie and a briefcase to work at the convenience store. Y- you never know. You People never back know. then did shit like that. That's right. Know? Like my wife's, my wife's grandfather owned a gas station and he was dressed up super nice every day. Probably had a hat too. Probably did, you know. But like nowadays you go to a gas station and, uh, you know, dudes wearing halter tops and uh, fishnet leggings. <laughs> At least the gas station I go to, anyway. So the whole time he started, I was 
I was getting kind of nervous when he went to start the car because I was absolutely certain it was a car bomb. Mm. Once I realized I didn't really know who this guy was, yeah, I was like, for some reason, he's a lawyer or something, mm-hmm. and like, you know, Hector's gang or something's going to blow him up. I thought he was, car was going to blow up. Yeah, well, yeah, it turns out it was just an elaborate uh, job interview for Mike. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty much what it is, right? I did notice that the guy's coffee cup fit his cup holder, though. Yeah, see, they made it a point to, because uh, that was like a big thing, like, Last season or a couple seasons ago yeah, with, with like Saul, two, right? Like the whole cup holder thing. That yeah. was like a big deal. And so I, I took notice of that for sure. A, and another reason why I was kind of like thinking like, man, is that like his dad? But then he had the cell phone and everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fuck, what the hell's going on? And uh, again, just a elaborate ruse by Mike. So the, the beauty of, of this whole thing with uh, Mike going through all the motions and like taking notes on his little clipboard. So first off, the thing with the clipboard cracks me up because it's like, all you got to do is act like you belong there. Right. And if you if you walk around with a clipboard, Which people we have automatic... a whole podcast in our other show about that very concept. Right. And if you have a clipboard, people just like it's like a sign of authority. Oh, <laughs> like yeah. people well, just you can them. slap your pen against it. Right. You, you know, can, you, you can, can hold stuff on it. Flick the or smack it against the de- right. desk and discuss. Just whip people across the face with it to right. listen to you. It's it's like a it's like a, a sign of authority. Also, you can clip papers to it. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it was meant to do that. Mm. Yeah. Weird. But you know what I mean, like it, yeah, it's, totally, yeah. It's 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 very like you're not going to question the guy with the clipboard, right? You know, because if somebody's sneaking around the place, they're not going to walk confidently holding a clipboard, right? You know, and he blends in and he he goes through the you know he uh, looks at the donuts and he hands the guy like the coffee creamer and signs mm-hmm. the birthday card, signs and, the bir- reach for the stars, Barry <laughs> Barry W, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and. Uh, uh, talks about the uh, who would win Muhammad Ali or Bruce Lee. So Brian, a lot of us know that you are an, an MMA fan. Mm-hmm. You are into styles of fighting and competitions of fighting. Mm-hmm. Who would win, Muhammad Ali or Bruce Ali? <laughs> Bruce Ali. <laughs> uh, no, he um uh, probably easily Muhammad Ali because Bruce Lee was pretty much a choreographed dancer. Muhammad Ali was an actual fighter. Oh my God, you just started a lot of fights with that. I don't care. It's the truth. They're Prove gonna, me wrong. They're gonna Jim Cotty your ass. Change my mind. <laughs> Change my All mind. Right, Steven Crowder. No, ser- I'm yeah. <laughs> Seriously though, like he was. He was a choreographed dancer. He, but he started uh, his own brand of mar- he had the one inch punch, dude. One inch punch. I guarantee you nothing has ever been hurt or destroyed by a one inch punch. You don't think that was real? No, that's not fucking real. It's, I don't even it's think on it's... YouTube. Oh, never mind. Well, if it's on YouTube, I he mean, did it... win the game of death. That's true. The internet somehow doesn't lie. after he died. No. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't sound like he really won the game of death. <laughs> he might have. He placed second in the game of death. <laughs> Runner up game of death. He did beat. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. You want to talk about a reach advantage? That guy was like 6'10". Yeah, but Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is even less of a fighter than <laughs> Bruce. I'm not saying Bruce Lee isn't awesome. I'm just saying, like, so it's like you're telling me that, uh, I don't do, know, like do you think Bruce, Bruce Willis Lee... can go toe-to-toe with a, <laughs> can go toe-to-toe with a professional boxer because he did fight scenes in movies? Well, I don't know. I think you're, uh, I, I think you are downplaying Bruce Lee's martial arts. I mean, yeah, Chuck, but a Chuck lot of Norris martial was arts, a martial arts champion. But a lot of martial arts are are kind of for show. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, 
like Dude, in those, realistic imagine situations. Imagine those boards they break are people's faces. Imagine those boards they break aren't balsa wood. <laughs> <laughs> like imagine that, <laughs> right? Touche. So you don't think Chuck Norris is really a badass then? Because he's a world champion. Several Chuck Norris times actually over. did like competitions and shit. So did Bruce Lee. No, yeah, he wasn't like, just an actor, man. He he had his own school. He studied martial arts and he compete. He competed. He was an actor because he was a champion. What's his fight record? I don't know. Did he? But did he Let compete in like katas, or did he compete in like like a kickboxing tournament? Is straight up kickboxing. But if it's something like a kata, like what people do in karate, where you go through the motions, and if you make contact, it's a point. That's a lot different than going through a boxing sparring match where you're actually trying to punch somebody in the face. So you're saying it's not like Cobra Kai. Right. Because Cobra, Cobra Kai never die, I guess. <laughs> but you, you know what I mean? Like there, There is a significant difference in saying like, Going through like well, apparently Bruce Lee was a nine fifteen fifty eight cha cha championship with this with nothing to help my argument, right? Which <laughs> which is more impressive, I think. Then <laughs> well, here's a good article: Was Bruce Lee an actual fighter? Yes, I'm searching things on the internet while we're doing our podcast. okay. But you see what I'm saying? Like, like for example, karate, whatever. If that's your art and stuff, that's great. And you know, if you want to go win like a touch touch fighting is what they call it. Where it's you kind of go through the motions and a touch is like a point and then they break it up and restart. That's a lot different than going to like an amateur boxing match where it's outside of the headgear and the bigger gloves, you're actually boxing. Okay, this right here, Mm -hmm. number three and number two, he rarely fought. And then it says, Lee rarely got caught up in impromptu duels of fisticuffs and did not participate in tournaments like Chuck Norris. Well, it's probably a smart move on his part because he's a choreographed dancer and Chuck Norris was actually like a kickboxing. But he was Chuck Norris's teacher, which is a little ironic. Yeah, but that's not really ironic. The, 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 the student became the master, if you will, because Chuck Norris is far more badass than his teacher. I'm not saying the dude didn't have badass. technique. I'm just saying in a practical situation. Huh? You're just saying that like Chuck Norris has a better chance against Muhammad Ali than Bruce Lee. Absolutely, 100%. Okay, I'll, I'll allow that. Right? It's I like didn't I can go. That. I actually just learned something. I thought, I always thought that Bruce Lee was like a tournament no. champion. Because think of it like a that. fighting master. You know. It's like the difference between, like, if you want to take boxing, it's like the difference between taking a boxing class, mm-hmm. right? And learning how to technique and strike. Well, I'd say it's the difference but between then, sparring and getting into the ring. Right. Because sparring, there's protections. You're not going 100%. Maybe exactly. 90, 95%. Like, like a perfect example was, is, uh, it's like going to like a jujitsu class to learn how to do jujitsu, and then going to a jujitsu class to learn how to compete. Yeah, right. Okay. Like I competed in like grappling sports my entire life, mm-hmm. and when I would go to jujitsu tournaments, uh, I would take people down a lot of times at ease because they don't teach that in jujitsu class because they're teaching you the technique, right? And right. in jujitsu, you start from your knees, right, and you roll because the whole object is not to hurt people. But then you go to a tournament and you start on their feet. And nobody's ever learned how to like stop a takedown, so I would just like kick the legs out from underneath somebody who's never done that before. You know right. what I mean? Like, so that's the, I'm not taking anything away from him. I'm just saying, I uh, didn't realize Muhammad he Ali all day. Yeah, I, I didn't realize that Bruce Lee wasn't an actual competitive fighter, right? As Chuck, Norris but was. because you got to think of it too. Like, say Bruce Lee lands a punch, mm-hmm. what is that going to do against somebody who's literally taking thousands of punches? You're not going to fluster the him. One inch punch is, is harder than any other punch. No. Okay. 
I'm just saying. Well, I guess I'm not really arguing on behalf of Bruce Lee anymore okay. because I was mistaken. Yeah. I'm not saying he's not awesome. I'm just saying he's not a fighter. He's a... Come at me, bros. <laughs> Come at me. And, anyway, and just to keep... Chuck Norris is far more badass. That's true. Chuck Norris was legit. And he had his own line of jeans. <laughs> and and the Total Gym, which my stepdad just bought. The whole thing? Did he buy the Total Gym or did he just buy half the gym? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Chuck's funeral. Uh, 11.43. It was good seeing Ed Begley Jr. Yeah, I, was, I actually uh, had noted that um, I almost called him uh, Sitwell. Mm-hmm. That's the wrong show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good, it was good seeing him. As a friend nice. of the podcast. I'm sure there was way more cameos. Probably, yeah. It was kind of like one of those, yeah, they're just like trolling out all the old characters, but to show how far-reaching Chuck's influence mm-hmm. was in the legal community. Yeah, the, the hard thing about that is I was tempted to pause it, but then, uh, once again, just to give a little like inside baseball here, the thing is when we get these screeners, too, we have a limited amount of times that we can watch the mm-hmm. show, Right. and I'm always nervous if I try to pause it, I'm going to accidentally, because this has happened to us before, yeah, you accidentally the close the website or refresh Mm-hmm. the stream and then it counts as another view and then there's been a couple times where we got locked out and we're mm-hmm. like oh shit how are we gonna right analyze this further so we also so. skipped over the part where mike drops lydia's name i was wondering about that what do you mean after white mike does his super elaborate job interview oh yeah 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 and he approaches the guy with a list of things mm-hmm. um or infractions right if you will and the guy is kind of like what the hell is like what is this Right, yeah. I'm, oh, I'm, yeah. And because that girl that pops her head around the corner, I felt like they showed that for a reason. Right, because she's like, who the fuck is this guy? But right. then, like, when he name drops her, he's... he. Well, it serves two things. One, it serves her notice that he's basically infiltrated the company, even though he's, like, a fake employee, you mm-hmm. know? like, and then, and then not only that, it, it makes him look like one of them pompous, smug know-it-alls that when he's called on his shit, he's like, well, you can call your boss. Right. As a matter of fact call corporate and ask for this person so right. he's kind of like in character as like this indignant security professional but could this lead to them discovering some nefarious doings shenanigans because that's what he was hired for was to cover up illegal activity right and now he's drawn attention to said illegal activity or has he not no he hasn't because Am I overthinking this i think you're overthinking it because it Pretty much what he did was the job that he was quote unquote hired to do because he, you know what I mean? Like, like, yeah, uh, yeah, he's just, I think he's just letting her know that one, um, he can, I know my shit. Yeah. I know my shit Two, um, kind of put her on notice, not to fuck with him because like he did that all, you know, under very casually, right? Uh, Lydia. Okay. Right. Because he, he specifically tells that guy to call her Yeah, and he's a higher up. Because he's Barry's the, boss. Yeah, he's Barry's boss. You know, so like he's 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 basically putting her on notice, like in a way, like well, yeah. I, like I know your shit. Don't fuck with me because I can get in here. Right. You know what I mean? And um, huh. and plus it's like it, it it's like um, it would build legitimacy, right? Yeah. Like everybody has that story of that asshole from corporate who comes in and bosses people around. Right. Right. I mean, it could be like a good alibi. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like, like if, if anybody's coming around asking questions, people are like, oh, that Ermintrout guy? Yeah, that guy's a dick. He came in here and yelled at me for not wearing a lifting belt. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, that's true. He could have been creating an alibi also. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him. So, like, when the, the thing that cracks me up about that is um, I, I wrote a review online, and uh, and I put in there that, like, the whole thing gave me a chuckle, not because there was anything really funny in it. Mm. It was just because it was like, all right, well played. <laughs> like, like, right? It was actually a very, like, in the context of if you were like, hey, do you want to watch this character for eight minutes, go yeah. to work? You'd be like, No. But because of the way they set it up, you're you're just waiting for this crazy, ridiculous payoff or like this right. big aha moment. And what the whole aha moment was is that he he was actually there to do the job that he was doing. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. It was but, just like well played, better call Saul. In like but in in a secret shopper sort of way. Right, exactly. You know, he was he was breaking the rules to see what he could break and get away with and know yeah. where the weaknesses are. Like test like it's like test piloting a plane. Right. You know, because he could have got busted. Right. got in trouble, and they don't know who he is because he's kind of under the table. But he didn't because he had a clipboard. Exactly. Yeah. And Just Barry, keep and doing what you're doing until somebody corrects you. <laughs> That's right. Because Barry looked just enough like Mike. And I also brought up the point that Mike's character is 15 years younger than Mike. Mm-hmm. You know, the actor. So he probably actually, his character looks a lot like Barry in real life. Not that much of a stretch. Okay. Because we talked about that, because I was like, did he change the picture or no? Right. But, no, that was straight up Barry's picture, but right. his character is younger because of, you know. Close enough. Yeah. Close enough, it went around suspicion. It's not like he picked right. you know, somebody who's like Right. Right. And, and Mike's not 70 in Better Call Saul. He's, right. you know, 55. Right. Yep. Yep. Okay. And uh, all right, so this last scene, mm-hmm. right? Howard has this big... P-Fab showing the acting chops. Yeah. Did a great job. Yeah, I thought so. I thought it was kind of weird. I don't know. So, like, this whole scene, right? Like, Wrecked with guilt. Yeah. Because he perceives that it was his fault mm-hmm. that uh, Chuck fried himself. Yeah, I agree. Y- you think it's his fault? I-, I think that that altercation with Howard was the straw that broke the camel's back. Mm-hmm. It's not the only reason. Right. And And... And what Jimmy did led to what Howard did, but it's still Howard that did it. Yeah. So okay. Jimmy caused Howard to cause it. Right. Okay. Chain reaction. And, and then Howard is, you know, I, I guess he's trying to pour out his heart or confess, like almost in a way, ask for forgiveness. It like, almost seems like a confession. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like he's just like, oh my god, this is like this is all on me. Uh-huh. And of course, Jimmy's more than happy to let him have it. Right. Which, Which is actually kind of surprised me. Yeah, well, I did until I realized the last thing Chuck ever said to Jimmy. Yeah, but even then, like, there was a lot of conflict and stuff there. Like, I don't know. I, I guess I guess his, well, first off, it looked like it surprised Kim, too. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. even everything going on, like, the, I, I think the thing that makes Jimmy kind of somewhat endearing is, like, he's not overly vindictive. Mm-hmm. Like, he likes to get one up on people, but he's not, like, overly, like, out to destroy people. It, it's yeah. Just, it's just he makes bad decisions that kind of screws people over a little bit, and then that gets out of hand. Right, like, like that. That's a he, very he doesn't realize the unintended consequences of right. his actions. But but this was a very conscious, like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to let him carry that weight. Like, yeah, right. That's, that's, I'm going to let him suffer under that. You know what I mean? Because it, it could have been easy to be even just like it's not entirely your fault, and that would have been like a good little dig. 
Uh-huh. You know, but like he just let him own it, where he's like, "Well, that's a cross you'll have to bear," because like now, and then he starts- on top of on top of letting him hold the guilt. Now he has like additional guilt because Howard, uh, for all of his arrogance, still in a way like kind of like reveres Jimmy, right? Like he has some sort of like affection for him, uh-huh. right? And so like now, not only. Kind of, but it, it not waned, only does he have the that guilt waned last season though they had a little bit of like right, falling but out and some of that was lost right. But season. I think it's obvious through the episode by the fact that he called him and started dictating the obituary and then like right. winging it off the top of he his head. He still has that plus respect he, for him, right? And he was there to be like, "Hey, don't look at your brother in the corners, man." Mm. You know what I mean? Like, but it's also still, more. I think that's a lot of that is more out of respect for Chuck than it well, is. Well, either way, it's not entirely adversarial. Right. Yeah. So like he goes there and he makes the confession, uh, you know, because he's feeling guilty. But now it's even worse because now not only does he have the guilt of his altercation with Chuck, but now he has the added weight that it, it seems like Jimmy agrees and blames him as well. Right. And you know he- what I mean? Like there's no forgiving because right, it could have been really easy just to be like you know, like I said, either like not entirely your fault or like, hey, you know, we couldn't prevent this. He was mentally ill. Right. You know, it was more like, yeah, fucker. And, and, the, <laughs> and the drastic mood change where he starts fucking whistling. Oh, right. Look, oh, look at the fish sheet. You and, know, then, and then, do, do, do. yeah. And then how do you react? Right. Because yeah. like that's, that's so weird because I don't know. If you were Howard if, Hamlin, right. And you're like, uh, I'm sorry that I, I somehow got your brother to relapse and kill himself. And you're like, yeah, you should be. And then you're just the happiest person in the world. That's weird, though, because that makes me think that, like, if I was Howard, I would be like, Jimmy all of a sudden feels better, which means Jimmy was carrying some guilt until I confessed, and now he's not carrying that guilt, so there's something up. Right. And then Kim noticed that, and that's why it ends the episode with the one thing that I can't do in this fucking world, which is raise one goddamn <laughs> eyebrow. Well, I think I think, <laughs> I think it, it also could, not only that, it just kind of took Kim by surprise, because it was like... Like I said, that's like that's like a super way like heavy vindictive thing to do to people. You yeah, know what I mean, and she tries not to see that because she sees him as like the the affable, right? Affable jerk who doesn't realize the who doesn't realize the consequences of his action. But that's that's like a straight up like like y- you do that, you know what you're doing. Like there's yeah. there's no question in your head, and it's not you didn't misspeak, right? You didn't you didn't act unintentionally inappropriate. That was a flat out like, well, I'm gonna pretty much piss on you while you're down, right? And then I'm gonna be super happy about it. Well, so then I was sitting there thinking about, it, I'm like, well, so then this whole like of him whistling and stuff like that is that one of those weird things where like only the audience is supposed to see that, but the no, because that was they showed Kim's reaction to it. Yeah, I guess I'm just trying to like put it like in some sort of context how. So so it's like that Jimmy overplaying his hand somehow. Yes, I think that because then how does how does Howard react to that? That's that's what I'm curious about because they didn't show Howard's reaction. He was so kind of self obsessed with his own guilt. Mm-hmm. But the fact I think my interpretation was that Kim noticed that Jimmy went his mood really lightened when Howard took the blame, mm-hmm. which means that he was he was feeling the blame and now he's not. So Jimmy is hiding something, mm-hmm. and that's what she picked up on. And that's why she had that quizzical look. Because why are you so happy now? Why is your grief gone? You know, something's up. Yeah. I I, I guess I didn't take it exactly like that. I took it as, like, she was genuinely shocked. Like, like he, like I said, he's not, like, the, the, the cordial idiot. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's, like, that's, like, a pretty mean spirit. Like, 
It seemed cold blooded. Right, right. And so I think, uh, like, I took it as like her being shocked that he could be so cold blooded because mm-hmm. you know he's been kind of passive and it's like, oh, let them fucking deal with it. But he he's never been downright like fuck them. You right. know what I mean? Like, you see what I'm saying? Like, like I feel like I feel like in a way like her. I think we may both be kind of right because we're kind right. of on the same path, just kind yeah. of. But I, I think as far as Kim. Kim goes right. Remember, there was. Remember how like Jimmy like uh, last season uh, kind of started like get really into how he was going to rip somebody off, and and we talked. I remember we talked about how she was kind of like taken aback by that. Yeah, because it wasn't like the glee he was taking. Right, and then that kind of like weaned off, and I think we might have said the same thing where like that was actually like flat out mean spirited where mm-hmm. where like Jimmy typically isn't that mean spirited. Right. So I think this is like another instance where mm-hmm. it puts doubt in her head like, well, how you know, I thought I was the only person that like knew him. Right. But th- th- that even like Maybe shocks I'm me. the only one that doesn't know him. Right. Something yeah. like that, you know, because like everybody else like kind of sees him as a jerk. Right. And uh, so maybe that's like the beginning of her demise. Her her, her demise. Or yes. she may just leave him. I'm still going to say she dies, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, it, they are definitely planting seeds to she's going to get tired of a shit and bail at some point. Yeah, well, I mean, she's not she's not a break of bad, and I mean, we got to get <laughs> we got to be getting close to that timeline somewhere in here. Yeah, know? seems like it. But then again, but I mean, Nacho's not in Breaking Bad, but he's mentioned. That's true. So that's true. But yeah, I think we're both kind of on parallel <laughs> things. There's definitely some layers peeling off that Kim is seeing, <laughs> and um. I'm yeah. I'm really curious how this is going to affect Howard and Jimmy's relationship, and I'm not going to read any more spoilers, so I'm going to find out when we watch the next episode. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. So overall, what, what did you think of episode four hundred one? I think it lays the groundwork for an interesting season. Um, it's 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 not taking a step back, in mm-hmm. my opinion, but not as maybe as big a step forward as I would like it to have. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're definitely more hung up on the nacho thing than I was. Um, I just kind of rolled with that. Well, that's not even like a nacho thing. That's just more of like, I guess it just seems cheap. I guess yeah, I don't. Know. I didn't think it was. Which I, is I, like I did. I, I any other show, like, any other show, I probably would have been like, I probably wouldn't have even given it a second thought. Yeah, in all honesty, any other we, show, I probably wouldn't have given I it a second. Quote thought. unquote, quote mode over analyze mm-hmm. unquote mode. Um, I just referenced Rick and Morty. Very nice, very like nice. that. Well done. Uh, was that was yeah, since we supposedly overanalyze the show, we look, you know, into weird things. And sometimes it's the wrong things and sometimes we focus too much on the minutia. Mm-hmm. But uh that that was all right with me. Um Mike's little story, I'm not really sure where they're going with that, but I don't quite remember how it started. The whole thing with Lydia. The conversation. Well, I'm sure somebody will tell us. <laughs> so um one thing that I'm wondering. Mm-hmm. Is was Hamlin still going to give Chuck's payout to Jimmy, and did Jimmy just blow that? Hmm. I don't know. Pretty good, right? Yeah, that's not too bad. <laughs> just by being a dick. Yeah, because yeah. like I was thinking about that. I was like, wait, I was like, Hamlin's going to give Chuck six million. Three million? Yeah, some large. The amount. first payment was three, and it was three payments of three or something like that. Yeah. Whatever it was. Very large amount of money. Mm-hmm. 
and so I was thinking, like, was he going to give that to Jimmy? Because Jimmy would be, you know, the recipient of the benefits or whatever. But now Jimmy might have just pissed him off with that whole this yeah. across the bear whistling around the room while he's fucking crying. Right. So, because I was thinking that could be a seed money for Saul. And now my thing is I'm looking for where he gets the seed money to be Saul. Ah, you good. Know? Never thought of that, but that's a good call. Yeah. Well done. All right. Yeah. Cool. Anything else, Dave? Um, I'm looking to see what kind of Salamanca's revenge is going to happen on Nacho's dad's shop. Mm-hmm. I think that's going to be a target now. I think something might happen with that. Mm-hmm. And um, that's really about it. That's, yeah. Uh, that, Overall, great, great episode. I I really enjoyed it. It was very intriguing all throughout. But... Yeah, the stuff with Gene, we we discussed it, but um, that that's kind of now. I can't wait for season five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be awesome if they just had a show called Gene or Cinnabon Gene, like, <laughs> like for one season afterwards. But yeah, overall, great episode. Please let us know what you thought about out there or what you thought Dave and I were completely off base or incorrect on. All of it. You can hit us up on Twitter at ISGM Podcast. You can uh, hear us talk to uh, other famous people and folks on the Nothing Important Podcast, also available on iTunes. Or if you're into Better Call Saul, you can hear us on A Plumbus Among Us. Where uh, periodically we talk about uh, Rick and Morty. <laughs> I said if you're into Better Call Saul, you can watch the Plumbus. Is that what I said? Yes. Okay. If you're into Rick and Morty, you can check us out on A Plumbus Among Us, which is, uh, I believe, um, A Plumbus Among Us on Twitter, at A Plumbus Among Us. You can check us out on Saul Goodman and, of course, on Facebook as well. Call us idiots, call us geniuses, whatever, just call us. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. That was it. It's all good, man. It's all.